Hey family, welcome back to another episode of Look at the Material. Today, I wanna get into why it's important to talk about systems that oppress people within the holistic wellness world, which is a community that is often branded as a benevolent or positive vibes only space. For those that are new here, LATM exists at the intersection of wellness and political analysis. I like to blend my background in political science and my current career as a massage therapist to give a more 3D look into the world of wellness. I have recorded and re-recorded this episode so many times, but ultimately I'm glad that I took some time to marinate on this topic and just like let it sink in. I was also able to find inspiration on and offline to strengthen my opinions on this episode further, so I hope you enjoy it. So I want to start by saying that this episode was inspired by a conversation I recently had with my partner Morgan just about LATM and kind of my overall vision for where it's going as it relates to the Kind Body Therapy brand, especially considering that I've arrived at this point where I'm intentionally talking about wellness through a political lens. And his question led to this larger conversation about the place of culture and politics within a wellness brand in general, and moreover, if it would be best to separate the two. With a little thought and consideration, I kind of pushed back on the idea that quote unquote politics or really more accurately talking about systematic issues while talking about wellness doesn't belong in the same place. I believe it does. I believe that in order to consider my work holistic, truly, there's no way I can exclude the systems and policies that impact us as human beings, especially considering that's what I devoted four years of undergrad to. And for a long time before this kind of reframing of what I wanted to really do with LATM, like take it seriously and things like that. I thought that my degree in political science and African-American studies was really pointless, like because I didn't use it in regards to the workforce. Like I just was like, what am I to do with like these curiosities, this information? So that's why I'm here uh, for you today. I find it shallow to just talk about ways you can make yourself better without exploring the ways our political systems contribute to those ailments we're healing from in the first place. So today I want to talk about the by and large exclusion of any talk of politics within the wellness community on and offline in the name of quote unquote positive vibes to the dominance of Eurocentrism, which I'm going to define and how it plays a role in the propping up of these systems that we're going to talk about today. Three, I'm going to talk about why it's important for LATM to exist as an outlet for me to highlight the fact that oppression is constantly playing in the background of our lives, even and especially within the world of wellness. And lastly, we'll just chat about some creators who are already doing this commentary in their respective fields of wellness. So as you might already know, the term holistic wellness is a huge buzzword and honestly has been for some time now. But when you add in wellness influencers and the lightning speed of trends in the digital age, we have arrived at this point where the phrase holistic wellness has just become an online persona and a new cloak for a thinly veiled individualism, white supremacy, ableism, colonization, all that. Oh yeah, buckle up because we're going there. So let's start off with the basic definition of holistic wellness. According to Western Connecticut State University's website, holistic health is an approach to life that considers multidimensional aspects of wellness. It encourages individuals to recognize the whole person, physical, mental, 
emotional, social, intellectual, and spiritual. Considering that definition, it's very clear to me that in order to consider a wellness practice or a wellness approach holistic, we have to look at all the things that could alter or compromise the well-being of the whole person. And when you consider that to me, there is a huge elephant in the room that's being avoided as a topic as a whole when it comes to my experience as a member of the holistic wellness community. And honestly, there's a lot of um, practitioners within this community that are black and brown that are and have been speaking about these topics for a long time. But I guess another major theme here is that there's not that many white practitioners in the world speaking out about it. And it's like, y'all prop it up the most by default. So like you have to be in a sense, co-leading the charge to dismantle these things. And that starts by speaking out about it. But let's go back to this elephant in the room. We've got to give it a name so that we can define it and point it out and see it. Its name is imperialist white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, a term coined by black feminist, author, scholar, and social activist bell hooks. Okay. I know that's a mouthful, but let's get into what the hell that even means. And what does it have to do with the holistic wellness conversation? So imperialist comes from the term imperialism, which is often described as the belief that a nation or a group of people should constantly expand their power and influence over other, oftentimes smaller, non-white nations. It's the idea that people who are socially white, and I say socially white because we know back in the day it used to be like Germans and Italians and Irish and, and you know, they really were treated differently based on that ethnic connotation. But socially white in the modern present is that like, if you're a white passing, you benefit from white privilege. That's what I'm talking about here. So people who are socially white, they feel like with this mindset of imperialism that they have the right to conquer other non-white people, according to most of the times, quote unquote, God's divine order, like manifest destiny type shit. And a sense that it's their birthright to own and influence. Imperialism comes from the Latin word imperium, which means to command. It is the blueprint or the framework for colonization, which we'll get into later. The next term in this long phrase is white supremacist. It's a phrase that we hear often, but I think it's still important to define it here. So imperialism is like the daddy of white supremacy. It's the same ideology or belief at its core, but imperialism directly leads to colonization which is when you physically go into a non-white nation and you conquer that group of people. You kill them, you assault their women, you steal from them, you settle there and you say, hey, this is mine now. That's, that's the literal act of colonialism. Whereas white supremacy is a standalone belief that, quote, white people constitute a superior race and should therefore dominate society typically to the exclusion or detriment of other racial and ethnic groups, in particular, black or Jewish people. The next phrase is capitalist. So this is another word we hear a lot, one that Jay-Z believes was recently made of, but it is the support of the economic philosophy of capitalism. 
capitalism can be defined in both social and economic ways. Socially, Bell Hooks describes capitalism as an, quote, exploitative and dehumanizing world order that places profits over people and extracts labor from the people for low wages. And I think those phrases are really important, exploitative and dehumanizing. When you think about that, let's zoom into what that actually means for people who are educating themselves on business, trying to go into business for themselves. So for example, there is this blog, this resource called disorient.co, and it's an online resource for intersectional feminist thought, education, and activism created by someone named Dr. Helena Leao. So she actually lectures and researches at a business school, and she says that their students are taught the three P's when it comes to navigating a capitalist world order. That is to pursue productivity, performance, and profits at all costs in any given organization. So it's not just like people being oppressed by capitalism, we continue to like educate generations of people to believe in this notion that productivity, performance, and profit at all costs is normal. And as a result of that, it becomes dehumanizing and it becomes exploitative. Got it? Okay, cool. Let's move on. Lastly, let's define patriarchy in three simple ways. The first way is a system of society or government in which the father or the eldest male is head of the family and descent is traced through the male line. This happens in like churches and families where you've got the man is the head of the household and after that his son comes and his son and so on and so on. The second way we can define patriarchy is a system of society or government in which men hold the power and women are largely excluded from it. This also just goes for non-men in general. It doesn't have to just be the dichotomy of men and women. You know, we've got trans trans folks, non-binary folks, we've got androgynous people, like anything that is non-male is subjugated under a patriarchy. And the last way we're going to define it is with a quote from Bell Hooks' book, Ain't I a Woman, where she says, Patriarchy forces fathers to act as monsters and encourages husbands and lovers to be R-A-P-I-S-T-S in disguise. It teaches our blood brothers to feel ashamed that they care for us and denies all men the emotional life that would act as a humanizing, self-affirming force in their lives. Now, we know that, like everyone always says, not all men, yes, <laughs> we're not talking about that. We're talking about a system at large where men are groomed to be a certain way, which is emotionless and dominating, and there is real power being exerted against non-men. So, yeah. So when you put all of this together... When you put together imperialist, white supremacist, capitalist patriarchy, in plain terms, you really have a phrase that describes the reality that rich white men who were power and money hungry built this country and by and large influenced this world to be constructed and run in a certain way. One where there is the holistic domination 
of any minority based on class, gender, ability, race, religion, and spirituality, skin color, features, culture, and language, the list goes on. Imperialist white supremacist capitalist patriarchy infects every part of our society, so it inherently impacts each person on a physical, mental, emotional, social, intellectual, and spiritual level, which is how we defined the terms that we defined holistic health in the beginning of this episode. So from this point on, I will refer to imperialist, white supremacist, capitalist patriarchy as hegemony, just so I don't have to keep saying that mouthful of a phrase over and over. You might ask, what is hegemony, BK? I'm so glad you asked. Hegemony refers to a dominant nation or culture, but also the dominance of a particular ideology or way of thinking. So what did we define as the dominant nation or culture in this case? Imperialist, white supremacist, capitalist patriarchy. So why do we exclude or shy away from talking about hegemony within the holistic wellness community? Well, I personally think that conversations about hegemony are excluded from much of the holistic wellness world because like I said before, Black and brown folks have been preaching about this to the choir for years and years and even sometimes educating other white people about it. So not all of it, but much of the wellness world is not having these conversations because of the Eurocentric dominance within the community. In other words, it is a space that has become dominated by cisgender heterosexual white men and women, or at least people that pass that way. They make the rules, they decide what's trendy, they decide what works, what doesn't, what's in, what's not. And because they tend to avoid the ways that hegemony shows up for black and brown people, they don't even think to mention it. But let's back up a little bit and define the word Eurocentrism. According to Google, Eurocentrism is a worldview that's centered on Western civilization or a biased view that favors it over non-Western civilizations. Remind you of something else? Right. It's basically the upholding, prioritizing, and glorifying of Western civilization and dismissing, belittling, conquering, and or destroying anything that is non-white. And y'all, if you are in the holistic wellness community, you know this is so true, where you see white practitioners demonizing traditional uses for things like cupping is what's coming to mind right now and gua sha is coming to mind right now. There have been um, traditional Chinese practitioners that are speaking out and saying, y'all, You cannot continue to use our tools for, you know, um, healing purposes, but dismiss where it comes from, to belittle where it comes from, to delegitimize where it comes from. Because if it doesn't fit the Western traditional standard, it's subpar, it's regressive, it's barbaric, and it's unintelligent. We see this all the time. Eurocentrism, though, isn't just a worldview. It has been used to fuel imperialism, which manifests into colonization, which we defined earlier. And speaking to colonization, I feel like we think of it in these old terms, like for example, the Roman Empire. We know that they went around conquering different towns, jailing people, killing people, assaulting women, and setting up shop, making the people that they conquered surrender to their land, um, change their currency, change their language, change their culture, um, et cetera, et cetera. But modern colonization is a little bit more sneaky than that. We actually might think of it um, in terms of like cultural appropriation that we see online, which is defined as the unacknowledged or inappropriate adoption of the customs, practices, ideas, et cetera, of one people or 
society by members of another and typically more dominant people of society. In other words, white people seeing some shit they like that a non-white person is doing and they take it and they claim it as their own. And then sometimes they resell that custom or item or dance or whatever back to the people they stole it from. And of course, to their own white communities as well. This doesn't just happen in the case of white women wearing acrylic nails and gold hoops after for years calling black women ghetto for sporting them or thinking they invented things like clean girl aesthetic or spa water. It happens with ancient holistic wellness practices as well. And we'll get into that. Over time, we've made white people the gurus of wellness because historically we associate them with having better health and more knowledge on the topic. And that is largely due to how colonization works. For centuries, white people from whatever European country they originate see a black or indigenous practice, demonize the people for participating in it, calling it regressive or barbaric, and then notice that it actually works and resell it for profit, claiming that they started it. We saw that with the information that Native Americans shared with colonists that came in, with um, people from the African continent that were encountering colonists they were share this information like how to farm on the land like how to preserve meats like how to heal from a cold and then they would absolutely wipe out the population that just taught them that say that they originated it and yeah move on so that happened then we can think of pilgrims and ships and voyages and columbus and all that but it happens in the modern sense too we see it online every single day it's just a little bit more hard to call out because it is online and it's really hard to find the source, you know, like, especially with how fast trends and, and things move. All right. I want you to think about the first thing that comes to your mind whenever I say these words. Gua sha, plant medicine, mushrooms, breath work, meditation, yoga, massage therapy, any form of traditional Chinese medicine, Pilates. When you think of these practices I mentioned, you likely imagine a white person doing it because wellness has been branded and rebranded over and over again to say wellness equals white and anything other than white is bad and unhealthy and regressive. And let me go back to the Pilates point. I just want to note that Pilates was modernized by a black woman. Her name is Kathy Stanford Grant, but Pilates, as we know, has been branded as the white woman's workout. And I know more black women are getting into it. I've been seeing that. I love that. But we know how exclusive it was before so moving right along but back to the original question why is all of this excluded by and large from the conversation i feel like if this modern colonization is brought up then white people in particular white influencers would have to admit this and step aside to allow the originators of these practices to step forward and give us the cultural context we need to engage in these ancient healing practices like, I'm not saying we can't innovate and optimize and blend Western and Eastern traditions, but leave space for the people that originated it and the way that they traditionally engage with it. Do not apply Western standards of medicine to these traditionally Eastern, Asian and African, um, or really just indigenous practices and just write it off. I just don't like that. It's icky. And I feel like white influencers could do some justice by sharing their platforms with culturally informed practitioners that would require work and research yeah it's not always that easy but you would have to go digging yeah and using their power and social influence to educate their audiences 
And like I mentioned earlier, you know, it honestly makes sense that the history of hegemony and its many tentacles are not on white people's radar, especially white cishet men and women or people that pass as such, because they aren't directly or largely impacted by these inequities. They simply don't consider it because they don't experience it. Okay, so we just laid down some groundwork. We looked at some larger global context and we're also zooming into the world of holistic wellness, okay? This is important because when you enter holistic wellness spaces as a practitioner, as a patient, as a client, whatever, people are not factoring in oppression and how it impacts your holistic health. People think that when you're in this quote unquote positive vibes only space with your Monstera plants and your good vibes and your tuning forks and everything that I love, people think that oppression is just absolved, that like it just shuts off. The moment that you buy your first fucking crystal, that oppression just no longer affects you. And that's just so far from the truth. Not only is there oppression and hegemony that we spoke about before that's perpetuated by white practitioners in certain wellness spaces, but when we're talking about wellness plans, when we're talking about why are you so tired? Why are you this? Why are you that? And we're running to superfoods and adaptogens and, and, and Pilates and warm soups and shit like that and not looking at, oh, well, you're probably anxious because capitalism is weighing on you. You're probably sad because the climate crisis is not getting any better anytime soon. Like there's so there multiple things can be true at once, but I think there's a whole sector of the holistic wellness community that is telling people to vibrate out of their situation and newsflash, you cannot vibrate out of systemic oppression. So yeah. So let's look at the material. The first thing we're going to talk about is environmental racism. And before we get into this, like there was this really jarring New York Times study that said that environmental racism was more at play when it comes to the development of type 2 diabetes than diet, exercise, anything like that. Like the pollutants in people's water, air, food, soil is doing more damage to people developing this disease than any other treatment therapy element that we are coming up with to fight it. And I'll put that study in the show notes, but I just, I just wanted to preface with that because this is what we're really talking about here. When we hear things like, quote, go for a walk, go sit outside, sunbathe, both phrases that I've used, but also I try to say that, okay, this is a privilege, you know, it may seem harmless, but let's look at how hegemony has disrupted one of the most basic ways you can improve your holistic health by going outside. Okay, so I found this article on Princeton's website about racial disparities and climate change, and it says, Environmental racism refers to the unequal access to a clean environment and basic environmental resources based on race. Communities of color are disproportionately victimized by environmental hazards and are far more likely to live in areas with heavy pollution. People of color are more likely to die of environmental causes. And more than half of the people who live close to hazardous waste are people of color. Some activists call environmental racism the new Jim Crow, as it subjects communities of color to inequitable living conditions. This goes back to beliefs initially perpetuated by the institution of slavery, when enslaved Africans were considered disposable because they were sent to working conditions deemed too dangerous for white workers. 
These conditions are dangerous for any human being, by the way. In addition, the article says, more than 1 million African Americans live within half a mile of natural gas facilities. Over 1 million African Americans face a cancer risk above EPA's level of concern due to unclean air, and more than 6.7 million of African Americans live in the 91 U.S. counties with oil refineries. In total, African Americans are 75% more likely than white people to live in fence-lined communities, which are areas near commercial facilities that produce noise, odor, traffic, or emissions that directly affect the population. Additionally, exposure to poor air quality can cause numerous health problems such as asthma. Approximately 13.4% of African American children suffer from asthma as compared to only 7.3% of white children. So even on an environmental level, we have black and brown people that are disproportionately living in areas that are purposefully being um, polluted and are in most cases considered toxic. The second way hegemony affects the holistic health of marginalized people is the mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional stress of experiencing constant oppression via the hegemony. Now, um, I'm going to kind of like paraphrase this real quick before I actually start reading the article to you guys, but basically it says that the perception of the oppression that you're experiencing, like being aware that you are oppressed increases your um the output of stress hormones in your body when those stress hormones are prolonged you experience early death or um like you self-medicate with drugs and alcohol and things like that because the woes and the pressures and the spiritual mental physical emotional strain of it all is just too much and your body reacts negatively to that over time. That's basically what the words I'm about to read say. We experience three levels of oppression, interpersonal, institutional, and internalized. Interpersonal means whenever you're interacting with other people, you're experiencing oppression on that level. Institutional level as it relates to policies and systems that uphold oppressive tactics. And then we've got internalized oppression. And that's how it relates to the ways that we uphold oppression in our own minds, lives, personalities, behaviors, etc. According to an article from the National Institute of Medicine on racism, it says, quote, indeed, racism emanates from individual, cultural, institutional, and structural domains and has psychological and physiological effects. So that means that it impacts the mind and the body. Quote, thus, according to Paradise 2006 article, racism transcends the incorrect or irrational behavior of individuals because, quote, non-human actors such as laws and institutions can perpetuate systemic racism. So it's not just some crazy person, conservative person that's racist, like it's that and laws and institutions that uphold that person's beliefs. Through values and practices, social institutions support the efforts of dominant groups to maintain power and privilege. Social institutions are like, you know, family, sports, church, religion, stuff like that. The way that it's the power structure is upheld in those spaces. And that notion comes from Bonilla Silva, 
article from 1997, 2001, and 2006. Bonilla and Silva's 1997 structural approach to racism proved a critical challenge to the assumption that racism is just a free-floating ideology. He proposed that racism is a central organizing principle that governs the arrangement of the society, literally how society is built. Structural racism encompasses social mechanisms that have made the privileges associated with being white and the disadvantages associated with being a person of color relatively permanent characteristics of Western society. In that same study, it's noted, quote, in considering racism's impact on health, the most straightforward case is that racism makes the lives of the disadvantaged more stressful and thus leads to negative mental and physical health consequences. They propose that perceiving an experience as racist initiates a series of processes that result in the negative emotional reactions and physiological changes. Physiological arousal includes activation of the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal cortex. That's the HPA system. It's the, where your hypothalamus, your pituitary gland, and your adrenal glands are firing away and how they interact together. So the HPA system. The HPA system involves the release of stress hormone cortisol and also entails changes in immune and cardiovascular functioning. Cardiovascular changes and a myriad of responses, including respiratory functions and pupil size, come under increased control of the sympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system during emergencies. Okay, that was a lot. Basically, you have a system called the HPA system, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal cortex. That is involved with the release of the stress hormone cortisol. When cortisol is released, it changes your immune and cardiovascular functioning, the way that you protect yourself from diseases and the way that your heart functions. And it also impacts the way that you breathe, your respiratory functions, and um, basically your sympathetic nervous system is in charge. Your fight or flight is in charge. And that can be triggered by oppression, that can be triggered by a deadline, which is, you know, what capitalism be putting on your back. Um, it can be triggered by so many different things. Basically, your body freaks the fuck out when it perceives stress and all these stress hormones flood your body. And when that's when your body is exposing itself to stress hormone constantly, your cardiovascular, respiratory and immune functions decrease significantly. Damn, that was a lot. Investigators have marshaled laboratory and survey evidence. OK, another not so fun fact I found in this article notes that, quote, remarkably, the model Kuzawa and Sweet in 09 developed proposed the prenatal effects of racism are potentially transgenerational. The effects of stressful environments on the fetus can potentially cause lingering metabolic alterations during adulthood, which in females will impact the uterine environment of offspring. So if your mom is stressed, the environment that you're literally growing in is stressful and impacts the way that your metabolism and your genomes express themselves. It literally, it literally impacts the way that you are formed in the womb. <sighs> there are very well-documented stories and history about how colonists, people who colonized non-white groups, wiped out many indigenous languages, cultural practices, religions, etc., of black and brown people. 
two things that come to mind here are boarding schools for Native Americans that existed from the 1860s well into the 1960s, nearly a hundred year history, as well as something called seasoning, which occurred during the transatlantic slave trade. In both cases, folks were violently stripped of their cultural agency, the expression of their rich histories and practices, their dress, the way they wore their hair, and so many other sadistic atrocities. Their cultural markers and by proxy parts of their humanity and identity were replaced with European standards of quote, civility and quote, cleanliness, hey clean girl aesthetic, and quote, purity. When we apply that to the context to when we apply that context to uh, holistic healing and ancient practices, we see that intuitive healing practices were also wiped and a wealth of cultural knowledge is passed down less and less and less as the generations go on and things become more whitewashed. Think about the black and brown healing practices that we mentioned earlier, like guasha and naturopathy in general. And to that point, we really have to acknowledge that black and brown people, indigenous people, we were not just wiped out, you know, and exploited for our physical contributions, but also for the intellectual property. A lot of these new and trendy holistic health hacks have existed generations before, you know, and definitely well before these so-called gurus decided it was cool and aesthetically pleasing to push on their Instagram. There's also this very white supremacist, like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps type narrative that I see a lot of white wellness influencers promoting in the holistic wellness community. One that insists that your life sucks and you're failing or you're not healing fast enough or you're dysregulated because you won't change your scarcity mindset. You're not vibrating high enough and you're not regulating your nervous system. This framework hardly ever talks about the literal systems of oppression that impact the way someone navigates this quickly decaying world. Like I can't fucking regulate my nervous system if I'm in an over-policed area, if I'm surrounded by pollutants in my air. Like, let's be for real. This type of rhetoric, this type of vibrate out of your situation type rhetoric says, hey, you're not self-caring enough versus Look at all the ways hegemony oppresses us. And this is why we all feel a bit more anxious and a bit more tired and a bit more depressed and a bit more burned out. White influencers who claim to be a part of the holistic wellness community participate in something that psychologists and therapists of color call, quote, pop psychology. They focus on the individual healing themselves and on methods that are rooted in Eurocentrism while disregarding things like racism, ableism, sexism, and other isms that impact the holistic health of marginalized folks. This diverse culpability from the systems that make life so fucked up for a lot of black and brown people in this system and places the burden of healing on the oppressed instead of interrogating the oppressor. This also doesn't look at how culture, gender, race, and background inform the way we interact with the world. All in all, you cannot vibrate out of structural and systemic racism and white supremacy. Stop letting these influencers, particularly white influencers, tell you uncritically, that is, that it's all in your head and that you can think yourself into a new reality devoid of these oppressive systems. That's just an unfettered delusion. We also see the system of capitalism being propped up in these holistic wellness spaces via consumerism. There's always a new gadget or trinket that's being shoved down our throats a new expensive superfood or mushroom. 
without a focus on free community spaces or even just more economically friendly ways to engage in holistic wellness. All in all, there's a sadistic level of support of the hegemony, aka imperialist white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, by white influencers and practitioners in the holistic wellness community. That privilege is hardly talked about by white people, which is the major problem. Because let it be known, like I said before, black and brown folks are constantly teaching white people about these systems or preaching to the choir within our own communities. We're going to take a quick break, but before we do that, if you'd like to support my efforts with research and such for the pod, you can donate by clicking the link in our show notes. And if you ain't got it, you can donate a penny by listening to the following ad. Thanks a bunch. Okay, that was a freaking lot of content. A lot of new terms, a lot of new information. Like this shit gets so deep. So let's just stop here and take a big ass deep breath. So to close us out, I want to talk about why it's important for LATM to exist at this intersection and highlight some creators who are already doing similar things that we're doing here within their own respective fields of holistic health. Based on what I've shared today, like it should be crystal clear as to why it's important for me to add to the ongoing discourse about how politics intersects with holistic wellness and more so how centering Western ideals and whiteness as a whole is damaging for the holistic health of communities of color. It's important to note that I also view the practice of holistic wellness as inseparable from the hegemonic systems that oppress people based on their identities, meaning I'm not going to talk about self or community care without talking about the systems that impact those things. But um, yeah, I just, you know, for a while, LATM was about pop culture, politics, music. And then I was like, let me just do strictly wellness because no one's talking about that here. Like put the, put the politics to bed, girl, don't nobody care. And now I'm just like, no, fuck that. Like, let's really start writing fleshed out scripts um where we dive in politically and we look at health there's so many creators that exist that are doing this right now and i just want to add my hat into the mix okay and speaking of other creators let's talk about some other creators and practitioners who are already talking about hegemony in their respective fields and in their own way First, we've got at 5-H-A-H-E-M. I don't know if they are meaning, or wanting us to pronounce it Shahim or Shahem, but their breakdowns are sickening. They really talk about these are symptoms of white supremacy that you are perpetuating, like perfectionism and professionalism and all this stuff. Like they really break it down. Um, I follow them on TikTok. I don't know if you have TikTok. They may be on Instagram too. I'm not sure. The next therapist of color is Gigi's Therapy World. They are a queer therapist of color. They are the ones that introduced me to the term pop psychology, um, like the holistic psychologist and um, some other people that do these hot takes on like this is what secure attachment is this is what insecure attachment is and while some of it is helpful some of it i've actually found helpful from the holistic psychologist um overall gg helped me see how white supremacy and individualism you know rears its head in these like modalities especially in psychology it's like if you don't react the way that a straight white man would then you are neurodivergent and you're othered and you're codependent and you're enmeshed and you're all these things if you don't fit the western ideal a lot of stuff there um definitely go check them out i watch them on tiktok too next is therapy rebranded 
Um, these are black women in therapy and social work on TikTok. They are more culturally informed social workers. They explain um, kind of family dynamics and how different cultures engage differently with these terms that, again, white psychologists have created. Next is the Nutrition Tea. Um, love their... I love their page too. Um, this is a these this is a black woman nutritionist. They um, bust a lot of myths about um, branding and superfoods and the and the lack of access that people of color have to a lot of these new trendy expensive things that people are telling us, in particular white influencers are telling us, are just the best thing since sliced bread. Next, we've got Black Dot Nutritionist. This is a culturally informed nutritionist who coined the phrase, decolonize your plate. They really opened my eyes to the fact that a lot of our cultural soul foods are not unhealthy and that it's just branded that way to engage in cultural wiping, to like shame us for eating our cultural foods, calling them regressive and barbaric, like we talked about earlier. Um, and saying you need a cauliflower supplement for every fucking thing. <laughs> so I really, really love their content. Um, next, we've got the Nat Ministry, which most people I feel like that listen to this podcast uh, are tapped into. I know there's been a lot of controversy with them. Um, just their message, their delivery, and a couple other things that we might get into. I might, I might do like a whole episode on that. I'm not sure, but they have really helped me like deprogram and address the brainwashing that happens with white supremacy and grind culture and it's you know controversial or not the work like the material is there you can look at the material and you can see that grind culture is directly linked to white supremacy and we've got to really deconstruct the way that grind culture and achievement and self-worth and productivity come together in our lives especially as black people all right, the next, my girl, my favorite. She, I say my girl like she's my friend. She's not my friend, um, but I just love her. Um, at Fab Socialism, this is a black woman deconstructing white supremacy in pop culture settings, scam culture, grind culture. Um, very cool. Like she's very much Gen Z. She's from New York, so I just love her accent. And um, yeah, like she's breaking down really abstract concepts and she sources books and articles but she breaks it down in a way in like layman's terms so that you can understand because i agree that like it's not helpful for you to, for us to use all these big words if people cannot understand what you're saying it's very i won't even say elitist maybe it is elitist and then like there's a level of condescension and there's a level of oh i went to school and studied political science so i know better than you and i'm guilty of this like in those spaces you're literally kind of groomed to act like you know it all and that your opinion matters and that like if someone hasn't read marx if someone hasn't read um Nietzsche like if people haven't read these great philosophers then oh my gosh you don't engage in theory like ew like I'm guilty of that but I've grown a lot and I think that I'm a part of the group now that is like hey I've read these books or I've done the research and I know these big words but let's break them down so that everyday people don't just fucking go deer in the headlights whenever they see these terms and they're like girl i'm completely disconnected from what you're saying because i don't know what you're saying you know i think that it's so important for bridge 
gappers or gap bridgers yeah gap bridgers to come together and say hey big word simple concept this is how it affects your life boom now you know that word like come on now that's what we did here that's what we did here and then last but not least there's so many others but like I just wanted to you know not have a list of 20,000 people here last but not least we've got FD signifier um they're on YouTube. This is a black male educator, cultural critic, and video essayist. Tiana with Fab Socialism is also a video essayist as well. Um, I really like this guy. He's a millennial, I believe, so a little bit like more seasoned perspective. Um, he also is one that knows the big words, has read the books, went to grad school. Um, he's an educator. I mean, yeah like he has got a wealth of knowledge and i really like his takes on uh, black male boyhood and manhood and also white male boyhood and i just love the way that he contextualizes his critique and yeah so all these creators and practitioners already exist already have content out there really just trying to give you words to contextualize what you're experiencing you feel guilty because of grind culture. You feel worthless because of capitalism. You feel like, you know, just really helping you make sense of this world and why you feel the way you feel. Or that's at least what they've done for me. So I just wanna thank y'all so much, especially if you made it to this far. Thank you so much for streaming, for supporting. Um, I would love to hear what you have to say. If you wanna get connected to our inner circle of siblings, head to the link in our show notes. It'll ask you to put in your name and your number, and then you'll be added to the inner circle. I will send you episodes first, like this one, um, before I promote it to the general public. And you will get to request certain topics for me. You will actually get to engage about the episode engage with the episode i don't know with me um because we can text back and forth using the sms chat um so yeah and of course if you're a dallas listener and you want to incorporate massage therapy into your life because you know i do this but i also am a massage therapist you can smash the booking link in our show notes if you like this episode and you want more of it, let us know at LATM pod in the DMs or in our inner circle. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on your streaming service of choice. Thank y'all so much for buckling up with me and going on this very, very bumpy ride. I hope y'all have a great day. Bye.